Band hunting, I, I don't know any other way to describe it besides just absolutely exhilarating. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, like, it's like next level goose hunting. It it really is. It 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 tests your discipline, and it doesn't always go, you know, in in your. It doesn't always go your way. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't. There's a lot of emotional highs and lows. Yep, that's for sure. Welcome to the DSD Hunting Podcast. This is either going to be episode three or four. Not really sure yet. But um, just going to be Dave and myself. And the subject today is band hunting. A taboo subject. We can't talk about that. Band hunting? No. Well, are we really going to talk about band hunting? The dark side of waterfowl. <laughs> That's right. There was a literally a... Wildfowl magazine article written about you, nonetheless. Written about me, uh, <laughs> called the dark side of waterfowl hunting. They didn't actually mention your name, though, did they? No, they didn't mention my name, but they made a lot of references to. Uh, I think it was an article in the Sitka Gear website that was written by me, called Collar Collar. And so it was obvious who they were talking about. Did, did they use any aliases for you? Like, <laughs> did, did they say, Hunter, save death? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, they did, they did get a lot of things wrong. It was, I think that was when fake news started. That was the first fake news. And then like CNN and MSNBC thought, wow, if they can get away, away with it, we can start doing that. Because they did get a lot of things wrong. And uh, you wrote a beautiful rebuttal, by the way, and it was spot on. Thanks. I don't. I sent it to them. They never even replied. That's fine. So maybe we should talk a little bit about the controversy of band hunting. And like, you know, it is one of those things. It's, it's kind of funny to me in a way that so many of us that goose hunt, that's the trophy of goose hunting. Like, um... You know, hunting isn't always about trophies or anything like that. It's supposed to be about, you know, our, the, the first reason that we get to hunt is for food. And that's the most important thing. And I think it's super important to, you know, don't shoot anything that you're, that you're not going to eat. But it is always fun to have something special, like something that stands out, that's different from all the others that you really want to try to get. It adds this element of difficulty to it. And that just makes it super, super fun. And you know, bands and collars, that's, that's one of the few things in, in a flock of geese that, st that stands out and is different and could make it challenging. And here we have departments of fish and wildlife and, and departments of natural resources who are desperately trying to find and create opportunities for hunters, the people who are paying uh, massive amounts of money for, uh, you know, conservation, wildlife programs and all that stuff. And, and now when an opportunity comes up, which is a, the super fun trophy, they frown on it like crazy. Oh, it's, it'd be like saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to put a whole bunch of, um, 180 inch whitetails, um, just randomly out on farms, but please don't shoot those. 
please. We're, we're going to tell you that they're there. Yeah. Oh, and here's some teaser photos of them. Right. But just randomly shoot a buck. Like, don't don't target anyone specifically. Just randomly, whether it's a one and a half year old or an eight and a half year old. And don't pay any attention to that 180 inch massive rack. But if one of those 180 inch deer walks in and you just randomly shoot it, it's okay. Right. Exactly. But that's the only way it's okay. So now, if all of a sudden every year you shoot a 180-inch buck, all of a sudden you're Satan. Can I, um, can I add to that too? Now imagine, in the case of our hunt here in the Northwest, where we used to have to wait till 8 a.m. and the goose flight is, as every goose hunter knows, um, typically is is right around sunrise, maybe just after sunrise, and so oftentimes. If you're hunting in the Northwest permit zone where you can't shoot till 8 a.m., you're watching birds decoy for literally, literally an hour or longer before you can even start shooting. So you get to see those collars and bands and um, you're still asked not to shoot them. So you know that they're there. You know that they're in the area. You've watched them decoy. You know, you had to flush them out of your decoys at 8 and you know you're just hoping birds will come back at that point, and and you're still asked not to shoot them. For me, I think that's the, that was the hardest part. Well, I'll, I got to tell you though, what you're talking about there is you're you are you're revealing that you're a hardcore hunter and a hardcore band hunter, and the reason why is because you talked about watching those birds land and work for an hour before shooting time. Well, that's pretty common. For you, that's pretty common for me and pretty common for for a lot of people. But the majority of people, they see, well, shooting time's at 8 o'clock. So I'm going to go in and start setting up my decoys at like 7.15. So there's a lot of people that their whole goal is to get set up by shooting time. So there's a lot of people that don't ever see that. But we kind of take that for granted just because we have a little bit different mind, mindset with our band hunting. So that's something that... We have to. Well, and most people in the country don't have to wait until eight o'clock. And to be fair, we actually don't either now because of recent changes in the last few years. We can actually shoot at sunrise, um, which has improved our opportunities to shoot birds as they're coming to the field um, from the roost tremendously. But um, but in years past, it, it was it was a long it was a long waiting game. And I think most people around the country get to shoot half an hour before sunrise. And so it's never an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can just start pulling the trigger as soon as the birds show up. Yeah. And I've had, I've had hounds ruined that way. I remember one time, actually not too far from where we're sitting, I had a blue and a yellow collar coming in um, to a field several days in a row. Uh, and it was only about 600 birds. So that's a dream situation. And I did exactly that, got set up pretty much before it got light. And then about 45 minutes before shooting time, here came two hunters. And they started putting out their big spread. And, of course, the geese were trying to trying to get in. And that happens quite a bit. That's kind of disappointing. But that's part of the game. It's just one of those things. It's it's funny. Oregon is is probably one of the best examples of a state where our hunting opportunities have really, really tanked. Like mule deer hunting on the east side is absolutely horrible. Predators are rampant. And here we are, you know, here's an opportunity. Um, band, you know, 
put some bands and collars on birds. And I just think the problem is a lot of those managers, they just can't understand how that's, how that's fun and how that's exciting. Um, but here, you know, here we are, they're just dying for any opportunity. They just need to sell licenses. And it's like, man, they're just, you know, racking their brains trying to figure out what opportunities are there out there to make you know, more people want to buy hunting licenses. And then you get these bands and collars on these birds, which is so fun and so cool. And they're just like, oh, God, please don't shoot those. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's one of those things. It is legal. Right. And it's, it is super fun. And this is, you know, this is a controversial subject. We understand there's going to be a bunch of people listening that have disdain for us for shooting some bands and collars or singling them out um, or targeting them. And there's going to be a bunch of people that are super excited about it and desperately want to desperately want to know more and would love to do it themselves. I do think most of the people that, that complain about it and say that we shouldn't be targeting them, if you put them in a situation where they all of a sudden had an opportunity, they're not going to pass it up. I mean, I think a lot of the people that have complained about it are also people that don't really have a whole lot of opportunity. Would you agree right. with that? I, I would agree. And and um, if you put them in in our unique position that, that we were in again, bef- you know, going back before we could we could shoot prior to eight a.m., we literally passed up on dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of opportunities over the years to shoot birds that we could readily identify Mm -hmm. you know they are different subspecies here in the northwest are they are marked differently you know different different they use different colors of collars for example on the different subs to identify the different subspecies and the whole the whole reason for the permit um, zone is to protect the the duskies and and when you see um, a bird with a collar if it's not red or in a handful of cases green um, then you know it's not a dusky. So if you can positively identify a bird um, before shooting hours based on the color of its collar, um, even though it's, you know, 30 minutes after sunrise maybe, and you've had to watch this bird, you know, come into your decoys and you could have shot it, um, that takes a lot of, it takes a lot of restraint for many, many, many years. You know, um, we were we were faced with that, um, you know, nearly any any day you went out in the permit zone you could you could potentially have a a band or a caller show up before legal shooting time in the permit zone but after legal duck shooting which would mm-hmm. kind of be the standard for goose shooting times around the country i guess i would say and um and so you know i mean we we really followed the rules we we marked our birds we went to the check stations we we honored the 8 a.m shoot time didn't shoot Bands or callers, even though we had many countless opportunities to shoot them before, you know, 8 a.m., but but we didn't. And I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't really feel bad about, you know, picking them out after that because it was still extremely difficult to, you know, to do that within those um, within those guidelines. Yeah. And the opportunities, they were pretty much few and far between. I mean, it's not like, I think some people picture that we're just seeing callers every single day and that's definitely not the case. <coughs> but I, I personally can remember times too, where I had birds in my decoys. I remember one hunt, uh, where I was, I was by myself 
had a big mob in my decoys and there was a, a yellow collar in there and I waited and waited and waited and finally shooting time came but he was just with a, a whole bunch of other birds there was just no way to get a shot at him and I, I waited it out and pretty soon a coyote scares him and they come flying right over the top of me but they're at 10 yards high and they're just in a big old mob and it's the same thing like now you got to find that collar but there's no way you could shoot it I would have I would have hit like 10, 10 birds or whatever. And like those kinds of things happen and it's super frustrating. And so it just makes it that much better when it does come together. And then another thing though, is some of our collars are actually put on um, to identify the bird. And in some cases uh, to actually be targeted. And so what I'm talking about there is the, the Western dusky hybrid birds. And you and I have each hunted those a lot. And that's makes you, up for you. Definitely a lot more than me. Yeah. Uh, I focused on those birds quite a bit more. They were a little closer to me than they were to you. Um, and you and I have hunted them together sometimes and that's been fun. But so in that case, there was, um, a group of of wildlife managers that wanted to supplement the dusky Canada goose pro, uh, population. So what they did is they, they trapped some when they're here in the wintertime. And then they clipped their wings so that they couldn't fly back to the nesting grounds um, in hopes of establishing a local population, a resident population. And the problem was, of course, that now we have our resident Western Canada geese, and then we have this this group of resident duskies. Well, the two interbred like crazy, so um, so now that that doesn't help the population. When you have a hybrid bird, that doesn't help the dusky population. So they quickly figured out that that was a horrible idea, and it was a disaster. And so now the goal has been ever since to eliminate eliminate all of those, um, those hybrid birds. And the problem with shooting them in the wintertime is that there's, there's basically no way to know. When you see a flock in the wintertime, how would you know? Like they, they, some of them look exactly like dusky Canada geese, and there's no way that you'd be able to tell in the wintertime, is that a true migrating dusky from Alaska, or is that a resident dusky or a resident hybrid? And so, so then the next move was to round them up in the summertime, uh, when they're molting and put as many white collars as they can on the resident birds. And so now during the winter, when you see a white collar, you can shoot it and the, you're actually encouraged to, sh to shoot it because they want to chip away at that population. And that's, that's important. It's important to note that the wintering dusky population, they are trying to protect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's why the, yeah, that's why it's a night and day difference. So I mean, we've got one, two birds that could look identical and sometimes they do. Um, and one of them is they're desperately trying to protect and one of them they're des desperately trying to thin down or eliminate. And so that's goes back to that wildfowl article. You know, I mean, here, the huge majority of, of my collars anyways are, are those, are those white collars. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun hunting those and I, I hunted a lot with, with game wardens and, um, and with biologists and managers and, and, you know, um, and they shot them right along with me because they know the whole program. And so then meanwhile, then you have wildfowl who just, just doesn't understand that. They, and you, you know, even in the, 
in the Sitka article, I spelled that out. If you just, you know, the information was there, but if you don't want the information, if you just want to try to make it into a controversy or whatever, um, that's kind of how fake news works. You know, you just got to find find something that's that makes it, you know, paint this horrible picture and, and disregard some of the real facts. And that's how that ended up. Um, but, you know, it was all fine. Nobody, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Um, so they, they did a similar thing with the resident um, Anchorage, Alaska, Lesser Canada Goose mm-hmm. population. There were at one point over 5,000 birds in that population. And those birds, um, they could get really big and really dark. And so... Um, they would actually overlap with the, the, the larger, darker birds in the lesser population were overlapping with the smaller, lighter birds in the wintering dusky population. And so it was important that they, um, differentiate the two because the lessers were legal to shoot. In fact, the city of Anchorage encouraged it. Um, so they marked them with blue neck collars and, and they were, they were a nuisance around Anchorage. There was actually a a really um, tragic accident involving a plane with 26 people were killed uh, because a a flock of um, Anchorage lessers flew uh, right in in front of this plane that was landing there and it crashed and killed all the passengers on board. So anyhow, um, a lot of the callers that I ended up going after and killing were um, from that, that flock, those blue, blue neck collared, um, Anchorage birds and and I actually um, killed a bird one year that was leg banded and took it into the check station. It was definitely a lesser because it was it was a size seven. The duskies were banded with size eight bands. Yeah. Well, the guy at the check station didn't know that, and so um, when he took the measurements on my on my goose, it fell into the legal dusky range, and when I told him. Right, but this can't be, this can't be a, a dusky because it's number one. It has a size seven band. It would have a size eight if it was a dusky, and it's at the very, very bottom end of the dusky range in terms of you know Coleman length. I think it was 40, 41 millimeters. You know, and mm-hmm. duskies start at forty and go all the way to fifty. Um, I said this is this is a an adult male. Um, if it were an adult male dusky, it would be in the upper forties. But it's it's not it's a it's an adult male Anchorage lesser so it's 41 millimeter Coleman um, bill length and um, in, in any case um, I lost that argument I got my card punched I appealed and I got my card back two weeks later but you know I missed two prime weeks of hunting well and I I think I think I might have been the beneficiary of that because I know that's right one, <laughs> one time that's right one time you. You were on a hunt and that happened. And then you were like, hey, my decoys are still there because you were planning on hunting the next day. And so I went there and hunted by myself. And I think I got a, I got a really, really old blue collar. That's right. But, but I remember, I remember at times though, they did get that right. And they did get that, you know, they kind of got their shit together. And they had a list of leg band numbers, or I'll say at least, um, inform the check station personnel that size seven bands are always going to be on lessers because I know I do remember some hunts that we went on where 
we didn't see any collars, but we did pick the the lighting was really good, and we picked out leg banded birds out of the air and shot them, and um, they were they were okay at the check station. And I, when I hunted um, the flock of weskies, they eventually um, would give a list of leg band numbers to the check station personnel. And so when you if you brought in a dark bird that was leg banded instead of them instantly um, calling at a desky and punching your card, they could reference their their list of leg band numbers that they knew were Wesky. So the only way that you could shoot one is you have to be pretty confident that it's a Wesky because, you know, how else, you know, there's no collar on it. So you got to know. But I just think that, you know, over time of hunting those Weskies so much, we kind of got to the point where you kind of, kind of get to know those birds a little bit and you knew their habits and how they acted and, and, and also where they were. And in some places they interacted with duskies, but it might've been slightly risky, but I, I shot several leg banded only birds that, and I didn't have a single one turn out to be a dusky. And, you know, it might've been a little bit of luck, but also I was confident enough, you know, that I kind of knew, knew those birds and stuff. And in some days that would make your whole day if you did didn't see a single collared bird, but you could, you got an opportunity at a leg banded bird. It kind of kind of make it all fun, worth it. Yep. You know, this was all fifteen or twenty years ago, so it's a little bit fuzzy in my mind. But I I seem to recall telling you a story about getting my card punched because, as you mentioned, um, I left my decoys out because I intended on hunting there the next morning. It was a really really good day. I think I I think I ended up, if I remember correctly, shooting three blue collars and, and a leg band. That was the limit. It was four. Um, so I got four banded birds and wasn't expecting to get my card punched. So when I got my card punched and my decoys were still out there with like two or 300 live birds that had poured into the field after I got out um, and there was multiple bands out there still, I called you up. Um, but um, that leg band, actually the... the um, the prefix matched on at least three of the four bands that I got that day that I checked in, and the suffix actually fell in between two of the the neck collar birds. So oh. I mean, it was pretty. It was really clear. Like, and I, I tried making this argument with the 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 checker. Yeah. And you know, he was super apologetic, but he said, "Look, there's nothing I can do about it." Nobody had told him at that point in time. The following year, that was no longer an issue. So yeah, I think that maybe that particular incident um, raised some awareness. Yeah. Oh, I had I had some issues with check stations. I mean, in Washington State, um, I would check my birds in at a at a hunt unit, even though I was hunting, you know, a long ways from there, the whole other side of the bay. Well, when the hunt unit would get done, the checker would be like, "Well, everybody's." everybody's out of here. So I just go home. Like he'd, he'd go home at like four 30 and it's supposed to stay open until six and t- two different times I'd get there. Um, you know, at like five, five ten or five fifteen, and he's gone. And now I've got these birds. I can't, you know, my, I can't hunt again. Um, unless I get my birds checked <coughs> because I've got them, I've got them marked down on my card. And the first, um, Actually, both times that that happened, the I was pretty lucky. I kind of, I kind of knew the, um, I knew the, the 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 manager, and just over the phone, he would have me 
just tell him what I what I shot. Like, what are the subspecies? And and if I had bands and collars, I'd give him the band and collar number and everything like that. He would mark it down and send me a new card. But you know, the, after the second time that that happened, you know, they were kind of like freaked out and a little bit mad and you know they ended up getting a new checker in there and all that stuff or whatever but then it didn't ever happen again and then another time there was a brand new checker down on the lower columbia and um you know she was a real sweet girl and well gosh come to think of it i've had a couple like a couple incidences um, besides that but but one of them is she was checking the breast color on my birds and i was i brought in like western canada geese you know where they're their breasts are like really, really, really light. And next thing you know, she's like saying, uh, I'm sorry, but this is a dusky. And and she's like, I know you have a lot of experience and stuff like that here. What what color would you call it? And she would hand me the little Munsell card. And I'd look at it and I'd tell her, well, you know, I think it's about this or whatever. And she goes, well, you're just looking at the outside feathers, you know. She's And so she would she'd take her hand <laughs> and, and pull up the the feathers and show the dark downy feathers and she's like if you look at here the true breast color it's much darker than what you're calling and i'm just like oh my god what am i gonna do about wow that? yeah and then another girl she we had a bunch of lessers um a bunch of anchorage lessers and she was just really couldn't couldn't decide if they were dark enough to be punched and she was just really beating herself up and i was telling her look you know, do what you got to do. You know, you, you you know, you're the one that's been through this training. This is your job and everything like that. And she, she let us, she let us go. She decided that they weren't dark enough to be duskies. And then, the next times that we went in there, she was really, really cold to us and really mad. And she, and as we were leaving one time, she said, "I should have never let you guys out of here. Like those, those were duskies. I'm sure of it." And I was just like, my God, I'm just positive that those were not duskies. Like, my God, I know. So then the next time we went in, we checked in a bunch of birds, and she was just super, super nice and sweet and everything. And she comes up and gives me a hug, and she said, I finally saw my first dusky. And it didn't look anything like those birds that you guys brought. And I'm truly sorry and everything like that. So that was all fine. But remember, it was a scary thing. Every single time you go to the check station... You're hoping like crazy that they really, really know what they're doing. And a lot of them did really knew what they were doing. But, but you know, some of them didn't. And it was hard to find people. And it was when you love goose hunting so much and your season depends on whether they're going to let you go. Because if you get one dusky Canada goose, you're done for the entire season. And so, you know, it's a scary thing every single time, especially if you get somebody in there that doesn't know, you know, very much what they're doing. And your your fate is in their hands. It's scary. Yeah, for those listeners who aren't aware, um, what Dave's referring to is a checking process that we used to have to go through here in Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington. Um, all goose hunters within those zones um, would have to record their geese on a goose card um, that they would need to keep in their possession. They would need to, to record the date, time, and um, their initials on um, a card for every every bird that they would kill. And then at the end of their hunt, they were legally required to proceed to the nearest check station and um, turn their birds over to a, a, a checker who would 
examine the birds, identify which subspecies they were. And if, if they were duskies, you would lose your hunting privileges. You would have your, your permit would be removed. And it was not illegal to shoot a dusky, but you would lose your, your, um, your hunt privileges. And for, for hunters like Dave and I, who are so invested in, in the, the sport, you know, that was like a nightmare. And so when, when you're hunting an area that has seven different subspecies and they all overlap to some extent, um, it's, it's scary to shoot birds that are, um, approaching the legal definition. And in some, some cases overlapping the legal definition of a dusky Canada goose, knowing that your, your fate is in the hands of the checker. Yeah. And the, the main two criteria they used, the main two were Coleman length, which the Coleman is the, the top line of the bill of a goose, and then the, the breast color. And then they, they took measurements of leg bones and stuff like that. But so our, you know, in the field, our, our only methods were um, the, the size of the bird and the color of the breast, and then it's just general habits. Wouldn't you say, I mean, in a little bit of their voice, I mean, they did have a kind of a unique voice. I mean, a dusky definitely doesn't sound like a lesser. Yeah, the more, the more like experience I gained in the field, the more I could really start to differentiate the, the sound. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the duskies and the, and the Anchorage lessers sounded the most similar to my ear. Uh, but over time, I really got to, I got to recognize the, the difference. Yeah. Well, and I remember... Um, reading the material at the very beginning um, and everyone would say, oh, well, duskies are just so dumb and they just come bombing into your decoys and all day long. And, um, you know, I didn't really find that to be true. I mean, like they would at times, but, you know, I, I remember talking to a lot of people and they were saying like, oh yeah, I can sure tell duskies because we just have them bomb into our decoys all day long and everything. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that person really goose hunts very much because in the real world, if you're, you know, setting up and hunting the right way, that really doesn't happen that often. I mean, it, it happens, but not like everyone makes it sound. I mean, <laughs> see, I, the way that, um, I, I kind of always envision, envision the, the, the difference there being their perception of what is bombing into the oh. decoys versus, versus yours or, or mine, you know? Yeah. I think that if a goose flew over a, or a flock of duskies flew over at 20 yards, which does happen yeah, because they're not the most cautious birds in the world. Right. They're just not, right. but they like to stay with other duskies. Yep. You know, it's really difficult to decoy duskies into, you know, light color decoys or small decoys. You know, if you're using cackler decoys or honker decoys, it's hard to get them in. You know, your, your best bet if you wanted to actually hunt duskies would be to use a medium sized decoy and paint it dark. And, and probably have a small, small spread. Yep. And, and even small spread. they seem like they like middles and, and they like to land by themselves, you know, like a flock of 12 comes in and they could look at all your decoys and then they'll go land out in the middle. But, but what I always kind of pictured when, when people would say, you know, like, I don't know, I would say, you know, like when a novice hunter would say, oh, yeah, duskies are super stupid and, you know, they decoy super easily and everything. I'm, I'm picturing them, you know, maybe, maybe the one flock, you know, per three or four goose hunts that they get that actually comes over in good shooting range is yeah. a random flock of duskies, you know, yeah. yeah, it probably had nothing to do with their setup, just happened to be flying over. Yeah. Yeah. So no band hunting. I, 
I don't know any other way to describe it besides just absolutely exhilarating. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I it's mean, like, it's like next level goose hunting. It it really is. It 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 tests your discipline, and it doesn't always go, you know, in in your. It doesn't always go your way. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't. There's a lot of emotional highs and lows. Yep, that's for sure. But I mean, um, and like I, I remember you you said at one point that band hunting is is like a completely different endeavor than goose hunting. Like you said one time that it's they're like two completely separate things. And I think that's something that a lot of people just don't really understand is that band hunting is completely different from conventional goose hunting and you can't combine the two. Um, I mean, what do you think? You want to expand on that? Absolutely. Um, and it really, every situation is a little bit different. Band hunting to us is, is completely different from goose hunting. Um, and, and the reason being because bands aren't quite plentiful enough where we hunt to where you could just say, Oh man, found a field with, you know, a whole bunch of bands in it. Well, if you're in an area with a bunch of locally banded resident birds, you know, you might be, you might be hunting a flock where, I mean, I've been places like, and you should go to Utah sometime and see how many birds are banded there. You know, you might, you might set up on 200 birds and literally 70% of them are banded, you know? So in that case, like you could just find a bunch of birds and invite all your buddies and, you know, go shoot a bunch of bands. But it, here in, in most cases, it's always been, you know, the needle in the haystack, you know, the, um, oh, I can't tell you how many hunts I've, I've gone set up on 5,000 cacklers. There's one collar in there, one, you know? And so it's completely different than going on, you know, a fun hunt with a bunch of your buddies because you're not, you're not shooting until you see that bird. Your goal is to decoy every single bird in a shotgun range and scan every single one of them and not shoot until you see the the, the bird you're after. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see it, don't shoot. Right. I mean, um, and there's been, there's times when, you know, in the, in the middle of the day, um, all of a sudden a flock of 12 will come in or something like that. And, if you want to just shoot a bird for for fun or for food or whatever like that, or you've got people that want to shoot, you can. But for the most part, you just if you're going to band hunt, you need one or two other people. Never, wouldn't you say, never more than three? It, the the number really, I I think is is almost irrelevant to some extent. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go more than three or four, just generally speaking, because I mean there's only so many bands out there that you could, that you could shoot, you know, at some point you're going to be kind of competing for the same bands. But, um, but, um, the, I think what's more important than the number of guys that you have is that everybody is on the same page, right? You can't bring guys that just want to shoot at everything, you know, because that's a, that's a recipe for, you know, a disaster. You know, you cut into the first bunch that shows up and then everybody's out of their blinds and retrieving birds. And then here comes the one flock, you know, the one flock that has the, the you know, the two collars in it that you were waiting for. Or, yeah. you know, everybody, you know, gets bored because you're decoying, you know, one flock after another and, and, and you're not shooting. And that that's boring to a lot of people. You know, it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, there's some people that truly enjoy watching those, those flocks and they're fine with it and stuff. But, but I would say even then most people, most people wouldn't really wouldn't enjoy that. Like, um, I think, I mean, this kind of sounds like maybe I'm bragging for us a little bit, but I think you just have to get to a point where you've, you've shot enough birds, you've had enough decoy, um, to where it's like, well, what do you, what are we going to do? What are we going to do next? What to push this to the next level or to make this fun or a challenge? Um, you know, it's like, well, you could just shoot the first four birds and go home. Um, or let's, what are we going to do? Like, and so then, then we kind of discover these bands and collars and man, that just makes it just adds this total element. And it's like, well, at some point you've shot, you've shot enough, you've decoyed enough birds and you know, with really good decoys and a really good hide, um, you know, it, unless you completely blow it with your scouting or calling or something like that, you know, you're, you're probably going to have plenty of birds come in. And, and so I love decoying birds. That's one yeah, of the coolest absolutely. things about, about band hunting, um, and, and needing to have that discipline not to shoot is you get to decoy so many birds well, and you learn more yeah. by not shooting at decoying flocks than you'll ever learn by cutting into them. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, that's, I agree 100%. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, I mean, I get a lot of texts during, during goose season of, you know, some of these young guys are a big, a big crew of guys and, and it'll be, you know, nine fifteen, and they'll send me a text saying that we're done, you know, and, and, and then, you know, they're, that's sort of a big deal. Um, and then, then the, maybe the next text will be like, man, I sure wish I could get a caller someday though. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. well, you're in a race to get done as quick as you can. Um, but you know, you'd have to be pretty dang lucky if you're just going to randomly shoot the first birds that come in you know, and you've got 10 guys and everybody's shooting and stuff. And, you know, who knows who, who even shot what. And you'd have to be pretty lucky to, to get a caller that way. I mean, I've, I've never got one that way. Have you ever got one just by randomly shooting at birds and got a caller? I mean, I don't know too many people that have. Two. Two? Two that way? But that's two. after you've shot a lot of birds. Oh, you know? I'm sure it's well into the thousands of birds, yeah. So those aren't very good odds, you know? And, and I've also, I remember one year traveling out of state for a trade show and talking to some people and they were like telling me, Oh, we don't have bands like you guys do over there. And you know, it'd be great. And I remember stopping on the side of the highway and seeing a flock of 15 birds and there were two leg bands in it. And I was thinking, my God, like, and they'll say something like, you know, we get, we get one occasionally and stuff, but it's like, my God, I was, I remember thinking, if we had those kind of odds, like if you would just put some discipline and time into that and just maybe not shoot. I mean, there's some areas where that goes on and they literally, literally no one is watching for bands or passing up birds. They wouldn't think of it. That, And it's like, my goodness, if you just put a little bit of effort in, you, you could kill so many bands. But- uh, one of my favorites is uh, when a friend of ours contacted you not too long ago i think this was in the last year or so <laughs> yeah he said looks like your partner shot another collar sure wish we had <laughs> as many bands where i hunt which i had to chuckle because i happen to know where the gentleman hunts yeah and that 
photo that he was referring to was literally right down the road from Maury Hunt's. <laughs> and as I stared up at my collar collection, I couldn't help but think to myself, <laughs> wow, I've probably killed more in the county than he hunts, that he hunts, where, by the way, I've never lived, yeah. um, than anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, that happens so, so much. And I know who you're talking about, and he's a great guy, and he has kind of since, and I've told him early on, like, you know what? I hear that an awful lot. <laughs> and <clears throat> in a short amount of time, you're going to realize that you've got opportunities right under your nose. In fact, you've got opportunities much closer to your house than than at either of our houses, you know? Right. And he has since come around and he's shot some bands and callers and he's kind of figured out that crap, you know, right. They were here the whole time. I just need to open my eyes. Well, and that's like, I think what you and I see a lot of, you know, going around talking to hunters who are always interested in band hunting and how we do it and everything is that number one, you really do have to be willing to number one, open your, your eyes and open your mind to the, to the idea that there's a really good chance that there are actually some bands in your area. You might not even realize it, but get your hands on a spotting scope or a good set of binoculars and go around and observe geese and don't just do it a certain, you know, time of the year. You have birds are migratory, you know, there might be a particular flock that moves through your area that has bands and it might only be for a few days, a year that they, that they stop off in your area, but be open-minded you know, don't just assume that you just don't have any bands whatsoever. That would be the first thing. And then and then the other thing is if you really want to do it and do it right, you have to be um, okay with the fact that you might have to ditch most of your or all of your hunting buddies, you know. And, and it, no dogs. Yeah. I mean, you just basically, you can't do that to a dog. You right. know, sit there yeah. and land birds all day and not shoot the poor thing would go nuts. Yeah. <coughs> But I've definitely heard that many times, like, uh, you know, guys telling me, oh, man, I sure wish we had as many bands as you guys do. And I'm just kind of chuckling under my breath, like, oh, my God, buddy, if you had any idea. Yeah. Well, what's then, in your area? You know, what is actually in your area? Well, and, and, and sometimes, you know, and sometimes it's there isn't and but there is maybe two hours away right exactly yeah, and, that's and the other so thing. you know i mean i've had to do do that um at, you know at, at times and i know you have too and well sometimes much further than two hours away yeah. sometimes yeah, 10 gone, hours away 10 hours yeah yeah but um if you don't have them just don't whine about it and and just find go find them you know it's like if you want to shoot a a giant mule deer buck, you know, it's like, well, you might not be able to stay here in Western Oregon. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to have to travel and, um, you know, not everybody wants to do that, but if, but if you want, if you want good band and band hunting, um, and you don't have them around, well, you know, you just got to do the work. Yep. Find out where they're at and go get them. Yep. Well, it, as Dave and I are sitting here discussing this topic of band hunting, um, we're coming to the realization that, that this is probably going to drag out into several, at least at least one, maybe two more episodes. And so um, rather than carry on and on and on like idiots, um, I think we're going to we're going to call it good for this particular episode. But um, we'll come back and do this again. And in the meantime, if 
if you would give us your feedback, let us know what exactly you want to hear about, whether it's the ban hunting subject, you know, any particulars re- regarding ban hunting or any other subject. We'd really like to get your thoughts. It's still kind of new to us here. Um, you know, we want to we want to know what you guys think and what you want to hear. Absolutely. I mean, we could we could ramble on forever. We could. There's a lot of uh, stories we could tell about ban hunting and ban hunting incidences, but that could be. That might be boring. I don't know. Or we could go into some of the tactics, like how, you know, how we've done it, how we've been successful. Oh, at we it. could do a whole episode on just the tactics. I mean, it's just, it's such a fine art. I feel like we yeah. could easy, easily do an episode on each. Yeah. When was the last band you shot, by the way? Uh, last year, last just last season. Yeah. So... I guess it wasn't that long ago, but right now it's late September. So I know that you um, had some success in the September season very recently. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So you got some good redemption. I got some great redemption because last year was um, difficult to say the least. But um, yeah, had a couple surprises show up and punched a few. All right, well, we'll get to that story on the next episode. All right.